Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Were you trying to get crazy with this, see? Don't you know I'm loco? Loco? Welcome back here to 560 WQAM. Greg Likens here with you as we kick off this 8 o'clock hour. Danny G, the sports bomber on the other side of the glass, is we're going to take you up until 10 o'clock. That's when we'll turn things over to CBS Sports Radio. Hope everybody is having a great Thursday night. And you heard the weather report there, which was much more accurate than Solana's reports earlier, (laughs) which was funny. Uh, But, uh, yeah, it's cleared up, at least in Dade County. I don't know what's going on in Broward. We don't. We have a view to the south. We don't have a view to the north. The secret to the accurate weather report is to be broad. I agree, because there are a bunch of. You know, I'm not saying everybody, but there are a lot of meteorologists that uh, I think have lived that way and d- done all right for themselves, right? Uh, although, um, you know, so we got some very good meteorologists here in town, so I'm just saying that as a generalization. Although I did love that uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm episode in which uh, Larry David got. Was irate with the the meteorologist in town because the meteorologist, like every I don't know if it was like Saturday or, or Sunday morning, would say, "Oh, it's definitely going to be raining," and then it would be a clear day, and the meteorologist uh, Larry David would see him out at the golf course every morning on that on that weekend. He'd always be out there. He'd say the night before that there was going to be terrible storms the next morning. Whatever you do, stay inside, and then he would always get the best tea time. <laughs> <laughs> and he would he would rig the system that way at the golf club that Larry David belonged to. So I don't know if you got any. Yeah, there we go. Curb your enthusiasm, fans out there. But uh, that's what I think of when I think of meteorologists. That was a great episode. It really was. Because, of course, he doesn't let anything go. No. So Look it, at He's giving me the weather report. Yeah. He's getting the tea time. <laughs> he's he's getting, doing it on purpose. He's trying to get the better tea time for me. getting the tea time. <laughs> oh, man. That show. I'm glad they're – I don't know when, but they're coming out with another season. I don't think Are they coming out with another season? I believe so. I th- I've heard some of the... I think mean, it's a pretty brilliant show. Yeah, some of the characters have indicated that's the case, but I don't think they've in- they've said what the exact date will be. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that... I mean, I don't know. Could I, could I even mention my favorite moment on Curve Your Enthusiasm? <laughs> I, I'm not sure. Did it- you ever see the episode where um, where the guy was... Uh, where, where, where he comes up to you like, listen, we're going to throw a party. It's, you know, it's for a survivor. So he yes. automatically assumes it's like for like a Holocaust survivor. Yeah. But it turns out it's just from a guy from like a Survivor TV show. Yes. <laughs> and he was disgusted when he met the guy. So like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, I was on season 12 or whatever. <laughs> right? <laughs> season 12 of what? What are you talking about? Season 12 of what? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a good one right there. Oh. They, uh, yeah, there's there's a bunch of those. I, I remember a number of years back now, but I, I like binge watched that show to catch up on what I'd missed because I didn't always have HBO. And uh, yeah, that that is that is a great show. Uh, good stuff there. You got the the theme music and everything. G, 
you, you got the you got everything ready to go, man. Danny G, the sports bomber, coming through. Um, okay, I want to read a few of these texts here. Five sixty twenty two is how you join the program. Five sixty twenty two, Kendall Toyota, West Kendall Toyota text line. Uh, okay, our, our buddy Frank chimes in, and uh, he tells us he's doing Uber until about nine o'clock tonight. Okay, cool. Frank drives Uber, so he. I always get concerned with Frank that he's texting and driving, but I get the feeling that maybe he's like parked somewhere waiting for somebody to order an Uber and he's listening and texting the show. Always appreciate him chiming in. But this is what he says. He says, Greg, if Miami, talking about the Hurricanes, if Miami goes 11-1 and and beats Clemson and goes to 12-1, and where does UM fit in? Say Bama goes 13-0, and Georgia goes 12-1, and Notre Dame goes 12-0, and Ohio State goes 13-0, and Penn State goes 11-1, and Iowa goes 12-1, and Oklahoma goes 13-0. Washington goes 13-0. Oregon goes 11-1. Even if the Canes go 13-0 because of such a weak schedule, only UF and Clemson in the top 25. If the Canes don't start the season in the top 25, I don't see a scenario where they make the CFP. By the way, all those records very, very possible. Whoa. Uh, first of all, Frank, I, I have not looked at every every one of those team schedules, but that seems borderline impossible that all of those potential records are possible. You're telling me that out of the Big Ten, Ohio State will go undefeated hypothetically, Iowa goes with one loss, Penn State goes with one loss, and then you're talking about Oklahoma, you're talking about both Washington and Oregon going 13-0 and 11-1 respectively? Uh, You know. Are Oklahoma, I mean, Oklahoma and Penn State play each other, right? No, no, excuse me. I'm not Oklahoma. I'm not Penn State and OU, right? Ohio I, State. Wait. Yeah. I'm getting Ohio State and Oklahoma confused. Yes. Ohio. I mean, he has Ohio State here at 13-0. Penn State goes 11-1. So, I guess the one loss one would be. One loss the, would be, too. But, but so, anyway, bottom line is, Frank, I, I don't think we should be <laughs> that concerned about this. But I will say this. That if the, you know, because this was brought up late last night. We were doing exactly, the Exactly. I was about to say. Yeah. If the Miami Hurricanes... I don't know what happens to everybody else, but if the Miami Hurricanes finish with one loss and it's just to Florida to start the season and they beat Clemson in the ACC title game and they're a one-loss ACC champion after beating Clemson, then Miami should be in the college football playoff. I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, I don't care what the rest of their schedule says. For those who don't know, they've got Florida to start the season, then they're at North Carolina, home to Bethune-Cookman, home to Central Michigan, home to Virginia Tech, home to Virginia, home to Georgia Tech. That's right, five straight home games. Then they go on the road for Pittsburgh and Florida State, home for Louisville at Florida International, and then at Duke. So that is the schedule for the Miami Hurricanes. And, yes, you could say, you know, their non-conference matchups. First, certainly Florida is a great, great game. Bethune-Cookman, Central Michigan, FIU. FIU's improved. Like, you know, listen, I know FIU's not – Florida, but FIU is coming off a, a nice season where they went to a bowl last year. Butch Davis has that program moving in the right direction. You know, Miami should beat FIU, no questions asked, but it's not like that's just some walk in the park. FIU walk in Marlins Park. Well, right, yeah. It's that's kind of cool they're doing it down there. But bottom line is if Miami gets through that schedule and they've got one loss and it's only to Florida, and then they beat Clemson in the title game. There's no way they should be left out of the college football playoff. 
Yeah, but it's like we discussed at the same time, Greg. I think Miami fans need to temper their expectations with what they with what they need from this football team. Let's not worry about beating Clemson in the ACC title game. Let's concentrate on just winning the games consistently within the ACC Coastal Division. Beating the Georgia Techs of the world, the Virginias mm-hmm. of the world, the Virginia Techs, you know, the, the North, North Carolina, Carolinas, yeah. the Dukes of the world. Don't let any of these little teams sneak up and steal one from us. We need to just own our Coastal Division before we start worrying about 11-1 and one in college football playoffs. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. And, uh, again, this scenario where all these teams have one loss or no losses, I, I don't think that's realistic. That just <laughs> It just doesn't happen that way. That would be, like, a historic college football season if you got all these, like, big-time programs and somehow they come away barely, you know, almost unscathed in most of these cases. Uh, so, like, I, I'm with you, Frank, that, like, if you play the hypothetical game that you could get to a point where maybe you could rationalize all of that, but at the same time, I think Danny brought up a good point. Like, let's just worry about what the Canes have to do. And if you get to that point, and this is an actual argument we're having, won't that be a pleasant surprise for everybody that we're talking about the Canes with only one loss the entire season? My goodness. Uh, Somebody here says, uh, the people that hate football talk are the same people that say uh, no collusion, no obstruction. They live in a different reality. Let's uh, let's let, let's leave that. Let's leave those politics. Right I was gonna there. say we're we're gonna remove ourselves from that reality as well. Uh, somebody else says you seem to be extra exuberant this evening. Football must be here. Seriously, <laughs> do we need another reason? I don't think so. Uh, man, now somebody else says there's the Lycans rant. I guess that was about Ted Ginn earlier. I don't know. I I can't keep track. Uh, I don't think you ever really rant. Uh, you know, some people. You, you you speak and you make a point, and you you, you know you and you get on you get and you. I we would say you go on a tangent or you you're, you're, you go on, a, but you don't rant. Like to me, ranting is a totally different. I rant. Well, okay? I, depending on how, what happens, but again, everybody's interpretation of how they hear voice inflection Fair. is different. So, uh, but I'm with you. It, you got it takes a lot to get me really fired up. But if you do get me fired up, then uh, you know I'll, I'll I'll let you know how I feel. Um, somebody else says. Ted Ginn did what he was asked. He failed forward. <laughs> Fast. He, he had alligator arms here, but I'll admit he has been a very late bloomer. Uh, Fallen Poultry says, I'd let an, any, any NFL safety hit me as often as they wanted to for 100 k let alone a million. That dude's a moron. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with him. Oh, man. Stop negotiating down our price, though, bro. Yeah. Another texture says, who is the offensive coach who is coaching Josh Rosen? Uh, well, so it's interesting. Actually, Danny, I hate to put you on the spot. Could you do we? Can you find that soundbite in which uh, Josh Rosen, I believe, talks about Jim Caldwell? Um, I'll give you a second to get to that. But he was supposed to be Jim Caldwell. He was going to be the assistant head coach and also like in charge of the quarterbacks. But because of they, they haven't said exactly what the indi- what the the problem is, and I don't think they ever will because it's really none of our business. But Jim Caldwell, you know, a couple of weeks ago, it was announced that he was taking a leave of absence and that. You know, Brian Flores tried to explain it today. I guess he's still involved. Like, he he gets in touch with Jim Caldwell. He'll still be a resource for him, but he's not going to be around on a daily basis and is not going to be, you know, acting like the assistant head coach would and be there all the time. And that was actually brought up today. Josh Rosen mentioned the fact that Caldwell not being there and the type of impact that was going to have. I mean, it's tough. He's an unbelievable coach. He uh, um, helped me a lot throughout OTAs. Uh, sort of ease the learning curve or smooth out the learning curve a little bit um, and uh, uh, just wishing him the best and hope everything's okay with him. There you go. Yeah, so his name was brought up. And, 
you look at this coaching staff for the Miami Dolphins because uh, of the fact that Jim Caldwell's not around and isn't going to be around much during the upcoming season. Again, he'll be a resource, but not going to be around uh, on a full-time basis. You know, he was expected to be the assistant head coach ahead of quarterbacks. So now you're looking on that offensive side of the ball. Chad O'Shea is your offensive coordinator. He's going to have uh, more of a say. Uh, you also have uh, just taking a look at the the coaching staff right now and looking at the offensive side of the ball, who else will be involved. I would imagine that you're also going to have um, guys, oh, like Jerry Shuplinski, excuse me, who is the assistant quarterback's coach. He's going to step up, right? So he's going to be the guy who you would imagine will take a larger role with those quarterbacks. And he is another guy who came directly from New England. So he's been working with Tom Brady. So <laughs> not a bad guy for people to listen to in terms of who he's been around with. But this is uh, one of these situations where uh, when you take a look at Jim Caldwell, I think it will be a storyline that goes under the radar, right? Like most people in NFL circles where everybody's excited about everybody showing up to training camp. There's not going to be a lot of talk about Jim Caldwell, but here locally, that's going to be a, a bigger story than maybe people are going to give uh, the Dolphins credit for with that. Um, okay, Dom V says, my favorite episode, Curb Your Enthusiasm, is when he hired the cook that had Tourette's because he thought he was a Holocaust survivor because he wrote the lottery numbers on his arm. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that one. <laughs> oh, yeah, then he, he had Tourette's and then, yeah, came back to bite him later, <laughs> later as well. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, Larry David. Yeah. I'd like to answer this guy who says that you don't do rants. Um, I, 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 I can understand that. I've heard, I've, I've heard Greg rant before, but by the way, I'm not Grant Skidmore. Mm. Just want to let you guys know that I worked with Grant Skidmore many years ago at 640 Sports. Yes, great guy. I love Grant. Grant's a good guy. But, but I'm yeah, not Grant. This is Danny. Danny G, the sports bomber, is here. This is uh, no. So no, Danny. I guess he's saying Greg does rants. I don't remember what he's ranting about. <laughs> okay. Uh, meanwhile, you know what's also hilarious is that this happens from time to time. Um, but we get like both. I, I've I've had this happen when I'm at working at the other station, or whether I'm working here. We'll get texts for the opposite station. Always my favorite text. Yeah, when I have no context, for completely what out saying. of context for what we're talking about. Now, at least in the case of one of our texters tonight, they will say the names of the hosts, so you know that they're they've they've texted the wrong show. But oftentimes you'll get a text like so. So we've been talking mainly dolphins, a little bit of hurricanes. But if I were to get a text into the show right now that said, I can't believe you said, you said that about Hassan Whiteside, then I'd be like, what is going on? Like, who is this person who's clearly not listening to this radio program, right? So at least this one we have a little bit of context. But uh, that's humorous. We'll, we'll just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> another uh, texter says, that texter is expecting about a dozen college teams to go undefeated or lose just one game. Yeah, Frank, you bring that up. Uh, like, that, that, it's very unrealistic. It just is. I will say this: if 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 this dream scenario of his happened, it'd make a heck of a case of getting us getting us up to an eighteen playoff, which is what I've been wanting for years. Well, you know, having been at SEC Media Days uh, last week, I did interview Bill Hancock, who is the head of the college football playoff. We asked him about that, and there's like I think six or seven more years left in the contract of the current college football playoff. So realistically nothing is going to change the four teams are going to remain for the next six years or so 
But, it, you know, like with anything, if they can monetize it, if it makes, makes sense from a financial standpoint, eight teams may be coming down the road. And it seemed like there were a, a good number of folks that we talked to because, you know, we talked to some of the college football analysts, different people around the game, saying that, that they would like to see eight games. There are there a few that say, hey, I think it's perfect, where it's exclusive enough that you're not letting in everybody. And, you know, there's that debate to be had about the college football playoff, about what, the NCAA tournament in men's basketball, where, like, regardless of where the cutoff is, you're going to have the debate about who is deserving, who did or didn't get in. And but, so whether it's team 60, because now it's 68 teams in the in the NCAA tournament for men's basketball, if it's team 69 or 70, you're going to be like, oh, man, you know, they, they probably deserve to get in. In in this case, you're talking about a much more exclusive club of four, and so teams five, six, or seven, you can make the argument for. So you know, listen, I'm I would actually love to see it expanded because I'd like to see more teams included. I think it'd be fun as a college football fan. Absolutely, and I don't want to get too far into this digression, but I will say this: the thing that bothers me is that that's too elite with the four teams, and it makes it difficult for teams like the U, like the UCFs, to get in. Right, and and I'll be perfectly honest with you. I don't. If UCF is an AC, let's let's say it's an AC, and you get the one versus eight, and you have Alabama would have played UCF in the first round of a college football playoff. Okay, let's just assume that. Now I'm not saying UCF would have beat Alabama. I, probably not. But you know what they say about any given Saturday, any given Sunday, however you want to put that phrase. What if a UCF can beat an Alabama in the first round of the college football playoffs? People's heads would explode. That'd be crazy. It would be the craziest story in college football history. Why are we going to deny ourselves an opportunity for something like that to happen just so that the elite four teams can snub their nose at everybody else? No, 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 no. no. Come on. I'm not about that. So decided on the field. Yeah. I, you know what? That is intriguing. And certainly in our state, we've got a great example of a team that has – been as deserving as any for a team from a non-power conference uh but uh we'll see it, unfortunately we're stuck with this system for the next six or seven years and you know all the people involved definitely line in their pockets uh through it and it's been better right i like it better than the bcs but uh certainly there is room for improvement all right we got a bunch of other texts rolling in here 560 22 including some people asking about the canes quarterback situation and we'll come back we'll talk about that who has the best chance to potentially earn the starting job, and much more. Stay tuned here on 560 WQAM. Radio.com. Radio. 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 Radio.com. Football season is here. Time for the college gridiron to get going. Love me some Canes talk, Greg. Little Canes fights on there. Hopefully we hear this quite a bit during the upcoming season. I'm just imagining... Sebastian the Ibis running around right now. You mean Canes? Yeah, exactly. That whole deal. Uh, yeah, so the new Miami will officially get underway tomorrow night under the lights at Green Tree. 
And it's cool because I saw Manny Diaz was tweeting about this. And let me pull this up real quick while we're talking about it. But Manny Diaz was tweeting about it. And he uh, – okay, so unfortunately uh, for those who are interested in going to the practice, Manny Diaz says all the tickets have been claimed for tomorrow night's practice at Green Tree. See everyone at 7 p.m. Friday night. So 7 o'clock tomorrow night is when they're going to hit the practice field. And I believe it was like a 1,000 people or something that they were going to allow – uh, in from the public to tune in and uh, to watch it in person, I should say. And so I thought that was a really cool idea in the sense that, you know, we see all the NFL teams do it. The Dolphins currently doing it out in Davie. But for the Hurricanes, that's awesome as well, right? Like for all those fans and that are excited about the new Miami, excited about Coach Manny Diaz, excited about all the different competitions that are going to take place in that roster really awesome idea to get everybody involved and allow the fans to attend the practice but un- unfortunately <laughs> as I mentioned Manny Diaz tweeted out four hours ago the tickets have been claimed for the open practice now with all that being said we're getting a- we still get a bunch of texts we appreciate that 560-22 joining us here on uh, this the show the Kendall Toyota West Kendall Toyota text line that's how you get involved Somebody asks here about the quarterback position. Who do you think will be the starting quarterback for the Canes? I think Martell, unless Perry takes his game to another level. Well, I want to read you what Susan Miller-Degnan wrote in the Miami Herald as she wrote an article, did a nice job previewing the upcoming fall camp for the Miami Hurricanes. She said at quarterback, this is an area of concern for her. We know the three contenders. Redshirt sophomore in 2018 part-time starter Nikosi Perry, redshirt sophomore and Ohio State transfer Tate Martell, and redshirt freshman Jaron Williams. Diaz said he will know the starter within a couple of weeks. This will be the most talked-about position battle during spring. Perry and Williams look great during most media viewings in spring, when with Martell struggling much of the first couple of weeks until he came alive late in the process and had a strong spring game. Coaches like his grasp of the game – and leadership skills. So that is from Susan Miller-Degnan. And then when you take a look at what Barry Jackson has written, because he did his own little preview of fall camp, he says, one UM off-field football official said, even though Nikosi Perry was named quarterback MVP of spring ball, that shouldn't be overstated, and the job is genuinely wide open with the first few weeks of fall camp to determine the starter. Quote, the nice thing is all the kids really got better. All three have really done a nice job of improving, even with something as simple as Nikosi just calling a play in the huddle, end quote, according to the official. One UM source warned not to overstate the importance of Martell's mobility as a deciding factor and said not to make too much of the fact that Martell plays best out of the shotgun. UM believes he can play under center if needed, and the Canes will tailor their offense to what each quarterback does best, depending on who wins the job. Here's one thing that has impressed UM about Martell. Quote, he blended into our locker room seamlessly, one UM administrator said, as the quote continues. He has not been a distraction or ruffled feathers. The first part of being a quarterback is winning the locker room, and he's done well at being one of the guys. He's an excitable kid. Our players like him, end quote. And Jaron Williams has, quote, unquote, gotten better, a UM football official said. He's trying harder, working hard in the weight room, and with his conditioning, end quote. So, That kind of sets the table for what's going on at the quarterback position for the Miami Hurricanes. Something that I have continued to bring up, you know, from last week into this week is the fact that 
you've got a scenario for two of these guys who have already been here and have already had the opportunity to win the starting job in Nikosi Perry and Jaron Williams. And last season, both of those players at different points were suspended under Mark Richt. And so I continue to bring up this only because I wonder if these two players just had a kind of a blip on the radar moment, right? And they had a situation for both of them in which they were immature, poor judgment call, and they've learned from it. Or whether that's a sign of kind of just the way they are. And with Nikosi Perry, he played well at times last year, and certainly he was on the field. We didn't see anything of Jaron Williams. And curiously, we didn't see anything of Jaron Williams in that terrible loss in the bowl game uh, to Wisconsin. But with Nikosi Perry, you know, he not only had the suspension, but then he also had, I'll call it the poor judgment on social media with some of his posts, put it nicely. But the bottom line is, like, these guys need to wake up and smell the coffee and realize this is a tremendous opportunity that is in front of them to be the quarterback at the University of Miami. And so any of that childish, immature BS that was taking place last year, it can't be there anymore. Because if it is, for either one of them, then Tate Martell is going to come in and take the job. And I I know that everybody's kind of high on Tate Martell because it's kind of been the theme of the offseason, the transfer portal. You're getting these flashy names from these different places. But bottom line is he didn't work out at Ohio State. And, yes, he's got some great quarterbacks there that have been in front of him. Dwayne Haskins, the 15th overall pick. They're bringing in the best quarterback last offseason in Justin Fields who transferred from Georgia, and so Tate Martell transfers out. And so, understandably so, he was a highly touted recruit. He's got this swagger about him. People are excited about the potential. And I think excited, especially because they know that the quarterbacks who are coming back didn't seem to be taking the opportunity seriously enough. So Tate Martell is going to be there. But I'm not sold that Tate Martell is the best quarterback of this group. You know, there is a reason why Nikosi Perry and Jaron Williams were so highly touted coming out of high school. My question is, which of these three quarterbacks, all of them are talented in terms of their physical ability, which of these three quarterbacks approach this opportunity as if it's a business, as if it's their job? They're going to a job interview every single day, putting their best foot forward. And a lot of what Manny Diaz spoke about at ACC Media Days last week isn't about what they're going to do coming up in practice starting tomorrow. It's about what they've done the last couple of months when the coaches haven't been allowed to have contact. But Coach Feely, who's their strength and conditioning coach, who Manny Diaz has raved about, and Manny Diaz brought in because he wanted to, to change that element of the program. Like He's the guy who is allowed to have contact. He's the guy who's in the weight room, in the, the workout facility, who sees who's showing up and what time they're there. And he sees which players are organizing the receivers and the tight ends, the running backs, to go for individual workouts, to, to build chemistry, to build continuity. So a lot of the elements to the last few months since the spring practices concluded will play a role in this. And if you have Perry, Williams, Martell, all of them, or just a few, or just two, or just one of them doing all of that, and the others not, then that will go a long way to determine who's the quarterback. But to me, this is what it's all about: is like who's taking this seriously? Because last year we all know that Malik Rozier wasn't as talented as these guys. And it was it was rough to watch because the offense was bad. And part of that was on Rozier, part of it was on Mark Rick's 
absolutely uninventive play calling and doing the same things for the last 30 years and bragging about it to everybody. But we're beyond that. I'm not worried about the play calling with Dan Enos. And what Barry pointed out is a great point and something that I am absolutely thrilled about is that you've got a new play caller, an offensive coordinator, that is actually going to modify his offense to the skill set of the players. Unlike some of these stubborn coaches that you see in various levels that are like, I've got my system, this is how we run it, you guys are going to have to figure it out. He's going to modify it depending on who wins the job, and I love to hear that. You love to hear a coach put the ego aside and say, let's do what's best for the team. I'll format my system based on how we can maximize the talent. That's the way you got to do it. But the bottom line to me, Danny, is that if it's Perry, if it's Jaron Williams, if it's Tate Martell, it's going to be one of those guys exhibiting a level of maturity that we didn't see from the two guys that were at Miami. And Martell, I'm not sure about. But if he is more mature, if he takes it more seriously, then I would guarantee he's got the inside track to this job. But if Perry or Williams has made great strides in that regard, you know, I'm not as worried about their actual skill level on the field. I think they're all highly touted and recruited for a reason. It's more about the mentality. And if they are going to actually take this opportunity – which is, for many people, a once-in-a-lifetime thing to be the quarterback at the University of Miami knowing the legacies that are there, the great players that have played there, and what it all means, and appreciating that and absolutely jumping at the chance to be the next guy in that lineage. Yeah, and I'll take it a step further from you for you, Greg. I honestly believe if you look at the three quarterbacks, the least, the least talented of the three is Tate Martell. Like, I honestly believe the Kosey Perry and Jaron Williams, in different ways— are more t- physically talented players than Tate Martell. But if Martell is the guy who's going to get together with with, Bre- with Brandon Jordan, and he's going to get together with Jeff Thomas, and he's going to work with the he's going to work with the guys, and he's going to be the guy exhibiting that leadership, then he takes the job regardless of how good with regardless of how good physically they might be. Now, if those guys can show that same level of leadership or greater, then that's going to be their job. Because I'm sorry, listen, I, I can, like you said, I blame a lot on Mark Rick and his offensive play calling, and I think he just completely mismanaged his quarterback position and lost the confidence of not only the quarterback but of the entire offense. Yeah. And I can blame, and you know what, there's plenty of blame to go around for last year. But that doesn't mean that Nikosi Perry and Jaron Williams didn't have an opportunity to both take over that job at any point during the season last year because they showed, hey, you know, Jaron Williams, yeah, was he was he a redshirt freshman? Yeah. But I guarantee you, if he would have shown that kind of maturity, that the kind that Perry wasn't showing, right. and the play that Malik wasn't showing, that red shirt comes right off, and this is his team coming into this year. I guarantee it. But he never did. He didn't do it. And so it's funny that you bring that up, because one of our most recent texts is, how could you say that Jaron Williams got a chance last year? Well, my point is, he didn't set up himself for a chance last year, Right. Like yeah. we, we find out, you know, the the day of the LSU game that he's not traveling with the team because he's suspended. It's like, wait, what? Like, where did that come from? And then throughout the rest of the year, like you don't think again, like Mark Rick, the play calling was bad, but you don't think Mark Rick wasn't looking for one of these young, talented guys to get out on the football field because Rozier clearly wasn't getting the job done. We knew that going back to the Pittsburgh game the year before when he benched Rozier towards the end for Cade Weldon. Remember that? Well, no, it wasn't even Cade Weldon. It was Evan Sheriff. The sheriffs, there we go. Yeah, so like, it's like, you know, Rick's could see. I mean, Rick's not dumb. I know that you you can question a lot of what he did, but Rick could see that Malik Rozier 
was a guy who put in all the work, he did all the right things, but he wasn't as physically gifted. He wasn't physically gifted, and he had lost his confidence. He had lost yeah. his confidence completely. So, with that being said, I, I mean, I can't wait to see how this plays out, and it's it's really fascinating to me how the situations at UM and with the Miami Dolphins mirror each other in this regard. We're talking about first-time head coaches in Manny Diaz and in Brian Flores, and we're talking about quarterback competitions. And in the case of the Dolphins, there's only two guys involved. In Miami, you've got three involved. And with Miami, it's so wide open, right? Like, I, I don't think anybody has the inside track necessarily. If you'd have to give anyone the edge right now, it'd be Perry just because he played last year and he's been around the program longer. But I think with a new coaching staff in place, largely, and with an offensive coordinator that is brand new, I think it, there's there's nobody who's a favorite from before because before doesn't matter. That was a different yeah. era of Hurricanes football. So it, it is absolutely wide open for either one of any three of these guys to win. Yeah, and you know what? And and I'm gonna and I'm gonna put on my I guess you could say my 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 my, my hopeful best case scenario. We have two programs down here as far as football because let's be honest with you, since since around 2002, 2003, right around there. Football in this town has been in a steady decline to the point where it's basically in the pits between the University of Miami and the Miami Dolphins. Now you have Brian Flores, you have Manny Diaz, and we've heard a lot of different regimes come in and out, whether it be Al Golden, Joe Philbin. We we know the litany of terrible names. But if these two guys can really put together good, strong football programs— Going forward, can you imagine how excited this town would be? People like to talk about this as a heat town now. If the Dolphins and Canes got really good at the same time under these programs, under these two coaches, oh my and gosh. these two programs, this town would be would be would lose its mind, and it would be such a great. And I would look forward to coming here. Like I don't, I mean, I already look forward to coming in here and doing this job every day. <laughs> Maybe a little bit more, huh? But 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 like <laughs> times a thousand, like over well, nine thousand, it, it would just be it would just be great. So let's. I mean, I I I, I guess my point my point here is that. There's an opportunity to be seized in both Miami at both at both Miami football programs. Be college, well, right? Because on the on the macro level, you know, we we're talking about you know, being the quarterback of the University of Miami. That opportunity on the macro level, like the entire program has the opportunity to step up and you know, not I'm not saying be, become the U again. The U is back, but I'm saying to your point about this town being starved for a winner in football. Whether it's the Hurricanes or the Dolphins, you're right. That, that would be unbelievable what it, this town would turn into if either of those two teams could start consistently winning. And it's a credit to the Miami Heat for what they've been able to do the last couple of decades and consistently be relevant, winning the three championships. But it's also a sign that the football teams haven't kept up with not only their own histories, but just with even being like decent, right? Like They haven't been able to do that consistently. Uh, by the way, we do have some news here that I'm just checking out here on uh, Twitter in regards to the Miami Hurricanes. So earlier today, you may have seen that uh, Trayvon Hill, the defensive end from Virginia Tech who came via the transfer portal, he was officially admitted to the University of Miami. Uh, Jalen Phillips has just tweeted that as well. So you got some of these guys who were transferring in who there was a little bit up in the air as far as them not being officially listed on the roster. But he just tweeted eight minutes ago, officially admitted to the University of Miami. So uh, good news there as uh, you're getting everybody in and ready to go for the start of fall camp uh, tomorrow. 
Now, Danny, we've got into this conversation. We've got a bunch of people who are texting in, chiming in on all of this. We'll come back. 560-22, Kendall West Kendall text line. Read some of that. React. Who knows what else could happen? Stay tuned here on QAM. Radio.com. We're back here on 560 WQAM. Greg Likens here with you on this Thursday night, taking you up until 10 o'clock. Hope everybody is having a great Thursday night. And uh, it appears the rain has subsided in the area. Danny G, the Sports Bomber, with me as well as uh, we continue on here. If you want to join the conversation, you can do so at 560-22 on the text line. 560-22 is how you reach us on the Kendall Toyota, West Kendall Toyota text line. As the show rolls on, by the way, always love a little Nirvana. Can't go wrong with that, Danny. Good stuff there. Um, Okay, I want to read some of these texts. We've got a bunch coming in here. Uh, about both the Dolphins and the Hurricanes. Um, let's see. This is funny. We got we got all sorts of people who are chiming on this. We got a lot of jokers out there. We do. We got a lot of jokers out there. Uh, somebody says, "I don't understand how the ACC contracted to have their championship game played in their backyard in the backyard of Clemson for the next ten years." Uh, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, earlier when I made that joke about text messages coming in about other shows, and it'd be funny if somebody said. Uh, text into this show where we have not talked about the heat at all except for mentioning that they've been very good the last couple of decades so if somebody chimed in to say like oh white side's terrible or something like that <laughs> our buddy dom v adding to the humor here says i can't believe you just said that about hassan Whiteside." lol well uh, to, 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 to piggyback on some of the previous text humor the one guy who called me grant skidmore he texts back a couple of texts later goes oh my bad sorry danny and then a couple of texts later he goes Speaking of producers, whatever happened to Hylia Heckler? Well, our old friend Hylia Hector, who is no longer with us, apparently. Um, that dude was no, worse. No longer with us in that Stace, he's not in the station here. Not, yeah. you know, he's, he's still he's still on this earth. And, right. and, and Hector, if you're out there, we miss you, buddy. You know, I love you. You're a funny guy, <laughs> but you are still with us on this earth. But he's no longer with us here at QAM. Right. So you know, he's no longer with us at QAM. So you know, whatever happened to him, the dude was worse tool than Zach. I, I wouldn't know why you would say that about. It. I don't even I don't even know which Zach you're talking about. But you know, <laughs> both are neither tools. Um, shout out to you, Grant. Your rejoins are lit again. You said my bad, Danny. <laughs> I am not Grant. I am Danny. <laughs> but thank you. My, my rejoins are lit. Oh, my goodness. That's funny. So, uh, anyway. Just a lot of wrong going on there. Grant, Danny, Hector. You know, Zach. Just, yeah, just got everybody involved here. But we're misidentifying uh, Danny G, the sports bomber. But uh, I believe it's, it's – I'm just looking here. I think the same texture says, I never thought I would say this, Greg, but talk about your Syracuse basketball days. <laughs> I think this is Greg, you played for Jim Beheim? Uh you know what? I did not play for Jim Beheim, but uh I, I did play basketball for Jim Beheim in terms of at a, a walk on. Oh, so you tryout. tried to walk on. I did, yeah. So I've told this story recently. So you actually it's funny, so you were telling us off the air before the show, because Zach Duarte was out here in the bullpen, that you had heard there was this discussion going back and forth about basketball yeah. a few weeks ago. So those who have listened to me, they may have heard me sit, tell this story recently because of that. And so, like, Zach was trying to play it off when we were in person. 
Uh, but yeah, I had gotten wind through Brian Monroe, who's like a mutual co-host of ours. That sometimes it works with Zach, sometimes it works with me. That Zach had said that yeah, he thinks he could beat anybody in basketball and all this other stuff. And so I, all I simply said was, "Well, Zach's crazy because there's no way he's going to beat me in basketball for a couple, few different reasons. One, I, I have a, a major height advantage on him. Second, like I, I got a scouting report on him. He's no good at basketball. Like he's played in this Heat media challenge the last two years and has not scored a basket. And so like." I've then told the story on the air because I felt like I needed to defend my honor because then he came back and made all this other stuff. Again, I'm friendly with Zach, but you know we just have a bit of a rivalry over a basketball game that hasn't happened yet. But my, my point is, the, my story about Jim Beheim is that when I was a freshman, I tried out for the walk-on. Uh, they had a, you know, everybody on campus that wanted to walk on uh, could show up to the gym at a certain time on a Saturday morning. I remember it vividly. There were over 100 people who showed up. They cut it down to five. I was one of the five. And, wow, good job, Greg. And Jim Beheim was there in attendance. Thank you. Um, he did not stick around to talk to us, but Bernie Fine, who was his longtime assistant, who later was caught up in a bit of a scandal, so people probably know his name that way, which, by the way, he was never actually convicted of anything. Yeah, no, I've heard the name Bernie Fine, I, yeah. I recall. Yeah, so Bernie Fine, though, then talked to us. So Bernie Fine, uh, he, he pulled me aside specifically and said, hey, listen, man, you can shoot, you can handle the ball, uh, it, you just need to put on some more muscle if because of the Big East at the time, not the ACC. But tell you this was back in two thousand fall of two thousand two. Says you, you if you want to play in the Big East, you got to hit the weight room. So if you come back next year, you hit the weight room, you have a really good chance of making the team. And because he said uh, to me and the other four guys that had made down to the final cut that they had a bunch, not a bunch, but they had walk ons that already had eligibility left that were with the team the year before that were going to be there and they didn't have room for anybody else. So anyway, but he told me that and I was like, wow, like that's, that's a huge compliment because, you know, I didn't know what my chances were of actually making the team, but to cut it down to five, telling me, Hey, you go work on your game in a year, come back. You have a good chance of being a walk on and within a year's time. They won the national championship and Carmelo Anthony was in my freshman class. And so I told everybody and I still tell everybody, even though I don't fully believe it, but I, you know, I say it, that I could have made any other team in the country that year. I just couldn't make the national <laughs> champs, right? I mean, what was I supposed to do? Uh, but uh, long story short, I, I'm a decent basketball player. I did not go out for the team the next year because I wasn't really there to play basketball. I was there to, you know, get a degree and whatever. And so I knew I, I wasn't going to play professional basketball. That wasn't in the cards for me. I'm not that good. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I am a decent basketball player. So for, for I mean, just on that credential alone, by Bernie Fine pulling you out, I think, I think you'll kill Duarte. Well, that's the thing. Like, so it's like if somebody's going to question my basketball ability, like I get it. In the general public, if people want to challenge me, that's one thing. I'm sure there are a lot of good players out in the community that listen to Sports Talk Radio that show up and play pickup basketball or maybe they played, you know, college basketball. Like, that's one thing. But Zach Duarte? I mean, yeah, I know he's into bodybuilding and he does these Ironman contests and so like that he's in good shape, but like the the fact that he thinks you can beat me in basketball, like he's insane. Like literally certifiably insane. I mean, it's it, uh, the closest thing I could think of was when uh, was when Alejandro was when Solana tried to challenge Joe Rose to tennis. <laughs> oh, yeah, I heard about this. <laughs> like, you know, that's a professional athlete and he didn't I, win a game. Didn't win a set, not a game. Oh gosh. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, man, I, I played Joe Rose in tennis before. Back How'd that go? Not well for me. I didn't think so. No, because well, a couple of things. One, like Joe is a professional athlete. You can make fun of him all you want. Yeah, but, he, played, he, played, he played football for real. Yeah, so like he's he's a very good athlete, and also he plays, he plays tennis all the time. 
And so, like, if you're Solana or if you're me, I mean, I can't speak for Solana, but for me, like, I I casually play tennis, and when I say casually, maybe once or twice a year. And so then you go on the court to play against a guy who plays every day. That's going to be a rude awakening. Also, Joe plays on clay. He refuses to play on a hard court. Really? So if anybody – a bit of an advantage to Joe. Well, it is because, like, even if you put try to put the ball away, it's a slower game. The ball is held up more. So for somebody with less mobility, if you just assume, like, a younger person has more mobility can get in the court – Somebody with less mobility, it's advantageous to play on clay. Ah, I see. So, but anyway, like Joe, Joe smacked me around, smacked Solana around. The funny thing is, though, like when I played Joe, that was like probably like ten years ago. But when Solana played Joe, we're talking about Solana at what twenty four years old playing Joe, and Joe now at I don't know how old is Joe now in his early sixties. I mean, I, I I don't even want I don't even want to get into that one. I mean, he's, he's got to be in. He's he's, a, he's there. He's around there. Yeah. So it's like you know. But anyway, I I tell you one other funny story about a guy trying to play an athlete. I remember our old midday host, uh, the one the the great the great Sid Rosenberg. Mm. Remember Sid? Well, Sid, remember? I don't think if you remember. Sid actually challenged um, former FIU head basketball coach Isaiah Thomas to a basketball game. What? Yeah, to a, to a basketball game, and that's it, that, I mean that's like significantly dumber than than Zach and me. I mean, right? Like, <laughs> oh no, no. Yeah. I mean, let's 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 Sid. So he's gonna so he's, you know he's gonna yeah. shoot for the stars here. So you know, Sid <laughs> actually believed that if he hit the gym and you know he, he, he would be able to beat Isaiah Thomas in a basketball game. And I remember telling Sid, I'm like, Sid, you can go to the you can go to the gym for six months and work on your game, okay? <laughs> right. And Isaiah Thomas can sit on his couch and eat. Donuts, and he's going to beat you badly. Yeah. And then they ended up doing. I think they ended up playing the game for charity, and and Isaiah Thomas beat him badly. And yeah, he got a bucket. I mean, I, I I applaud the charitable element there, but it's like, yeah, that's. <laughs> I mean, here here's the thing. I, actually, I've got a, a kind of a funny story about this, and maybe I'll tell it when we get in the nine o'clock hour. But um, when you consider that, like Isaiah Thomas, Hall of Fame basketball player. There are so many players that barely make the NBA or don't make the NBA that are terrific, terrific basketball players, like better than most people would anticipate. That's why I always find it funny. And like, like I'm guilty of it sometimes as well. But like, you know, you could make fun of hypothetical fans do this, right? You're sitting at a bar and you're watching the Heat game. And you're like, who's this Yanti Maton guy, right? The guy who's going back and forth from the G League. It's like that guy. Like oh yeah yeah he he he's the last guy on the bench all this other stuff or like Duncan Robinson right you kind of kind of make fun of like a guy who's at the tail end of the bench of an NBA team you don't know that guy is so much better than most people will ever give them credit for it's insane I've got a story about that plus we're getting some texts about <laughs> Joe Rose's age some other things uh, coming in here about uh, the Dolphins and the Canes we've got a lot to get into big nine o'clock hour but I'll tell you my story of. An example of an NBA player who most people made fun of, but ultimately was an unbelievable player. We'll tell you about that when we come back here on QAM. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. 
blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.